Hey everybody, welcome to Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. Uh, I'm John Burke from BurkeReviews.com, and with me, coming from across the Atlantic, uh, not through radio waves, but through this internet cables, um, the Kingsman to my statesman, right? Yeah, that's right. Matt Hudson. How's it going, Matt? <laughs> it's easy. I, I've got it memorized now, so it rolls off the tongue, but um, I always wait to see if you stumble. Yeah, this whole new newfangled technology Wi-Fi thing comes in handy if we're doing a show like this. Otherwise, we'd have a very long bit of string connecting our two cups two and cups. our ears and mouth. But, um, yeah, good. Thank you, mate. It's uh, yeah, looking forward to doing this one on our, our weekly show. I've never been happier, actually, to talk films weekly. It's something I've wanted right. to do with my man, JB, and I'm digging it. I do How want to point out... I'm doing pretty well. I want to point out the original concept for this podcast was originally going to be called Two Guys, Two Cups, and then <laughs> yes, there was some overlap with some other things, so we were like, no, 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 we'll go with Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. And um, this week, uh, this is our second official weekly episode. Um, we've been doing this for a while, but this is the new format that we've just kind of eased into. And we're going to be talking about the film Vast of Night, uh, which is a prime original that came out. Um, it's If you look at IMDb, it has a 2019 release uh, date, but that was from festivals. It is uh, relatively new. I think it came out in May, um, mm-hmm. but we just have not been able to get to it until just now. And it, it seemed like the right type of movie uh, for right now, this kind of um, throwback film, if you will. And... Uh, so the new format, we, we like to start with the movie review. Uh, we do keep it spoiler-free. And yep. uh, Matt and I both you know talk, share, discuss the film. And after that, we'll see uh, we'll get into some other segments uh, that we're just going to talk all about the world of film, pop culture, things that uh, catch our attention. Um, but, yeah, we like to catch up a little bit. So, Matt, uh, this movie, mm-hmm. um, I... I kind of want to jump right in on it. I got to be honest, because I've been waiting to talk about this with you since I watched it. Um, when did you see it then? I think I watched it on Saturday. Uh, right. And it is Tuesday when we're recording this listener. So it's been it's been like three or four days. Um, I will say the first thing um, at, while watching this, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I. I really want to rewatch it already. Like, so wow. just um, because. I, I I was really immersed in it, and I really uh, – uh, it's we should – stats. Um, so The Vast of Night, Andrew Patterson directed. He co-wrote with Craig W. Sanger. Uh, the, I can read off the, the cast, but listener, you, you won't know who they are. And that's one of the things that most impressed me about this movie is that yes, we don't have – Disney Channel. Right. Yeah, that's to be fair. They're not, they're not like completely new, but they're also not superstars by any means. Mm-hmm. But Sierra McCormick, Jake Horowitz – Gail Croner, Cronar, I'm gonna go for Cronar, and ah, oh, that's the the French thing. And Bruce Davis. Um, the synopsis of the film is in the twilight of the 1950s, and I'm sure that word "twilight" was chosen very, very specifically. Uh, on one fateful night in New Mexico, young switchboard operator Faye and charismatic radio DJ Everett discover a strange audio frequency that could change their small town and the future forever. Um, and it is on Prime again in both the U.S. and the U.K. Uh, again, no spoilers here. We're not going to give away the ending, and that is significant with this movie because this movie is a hundred percent eliciting the Twilight Zone vibe. Um, yes, 
and it's framed that way right from the beginning it's it's their own show it's not called twilight zone but it's uh i, I didn't write down what they called their own show i don't think but did you uh recall i no i didn't i i obviously noticed it was framed that way because of the the slow zoom into the television black and white to color but no i don't remember what it was called um i'm not sure i don't think it was um really like uh vital to the plot so i didn't i didn't make a note of that no it's it's not vital to the plot and it's actually if anything it's a weird crutch that they go back to like three or four times where like we cut to like we're seeing the movie on a tv screen mm-hmm. it doesn't I don't feel like that adds anything, and that's one of the only like little criticisms I have overall about the film. Um, one of the things that, for me, uh, I, I am a big fan of... I'm not like a big fan of the long take where I want it to be in a bunch of stuff, mm-hmm. but when it's done, and it's done in interesting or creative ways or challenging ways, I tend to really get into it, and I like to like study it at this point. And uh, this... Uh, Andrew Patterson, this is his directorial debut, um, and he could not have made this more difficult for him or for his cast, in my opinion, <laughs> and they stepped up, and that's one of the reasons I love this movie so much. Um, there are so many scenes where it is just a single shot on the, the actor, the camera is moving barely at all, so it's like, you wouldn't call it like a long, sh- a one-er in the sense that it's not doing much. But it makes it harder for the actor because there's no cut points. There's nowhere for him to cut away to or edit. It's mm-hmm. just this long take. And if the actor makes any mistakes, he's got to he's either got to have B-roll or something to cut away to, or they got to do that whole take again. And I'm guessing that's probably what happened, or they were super rehearsed. Um, and that's I, I think the performances of both Sierra and Jake are phenomenal. Um, I really like the character of Faye. I don't love the character of Everett, but I like what's however it is used in the film i think he's an interesting character um and then there are some long takes that are insane my favorite is we go through the town into the gym we are moving with basketball players running by the camera Mm -hmm. and then back out of the gym and into i think the radio station or whatever it's fairly early on isn't it yeah it is Uh, i mean the movie's only 91 minutes so Mm -hmm. like um but yeah it's i would say it's it's right before the midpoint where we're, we're just getting into what the movie's really going to dive into. Um, and I'm looking at the synopsis and I'm like, I don't know what you're allowed to say. Apparently not a lot. Cause they don't explain what the audio frequency is. So, um, but yeah, it, it's before the plot really gets going. Uh, mm-hmm. And I just, I thought that shot was really, really cool and well done. Um, and like mind boggling. Cause it's, it's all practical from what I understand too. It's uh I did listen to the Slash film cast um, from, I think, two weeks ago they did this movie. And I, I had not been able to listen to it because I hadn't seen the movie. So I waited till I watched it and I listened to the podcast, I think, yesterday. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I they echoed some of the things I, I liked. Uh, they were, I would say, mostly positive. I think I'm a little more up on it than uh, most of the guys on the show. Mm-hmm. But um, I just, I, I found it to be really engaging. Um, I liked the, uh, it's, it's a throwback sci-fi film and I don't think we get stuff like this nearly enough. It's, it's very fun. Um, the stakes are, are mostly low, but, but they're real. They feel like the characters are invested in what's going on. Um, I think there's some, there's some stuff in here that, uh, feels very poignant right now too, which again, I won't get into specifically what, but given the time period and the, the nature of the story, it, it, it fits into some of the things that are happening in our world today. Um, and 
I mean, I, I thought the, uh, the, there's some other choices that are, are interesting. I don't know that they are going to appeal to everyone. Like he cuts to black a few times. Mm -hmm. Um, and we, I mean, literally like not fade to black and then fade back in. Like we cut to black and stay on a black screen with just audio for long bits of time. Um, and it's, it's kind of unexplainable. I don't know that it really makes sense that it happens. It, it, it like, but it's a stylistic choice that's really ballsy, and I think that is deserving of some credit because this is the guy's first movie, and he he makes some choices that I don't think most film people would do on their first you know go around. They'd be afraid of it being rejected or or pushed or panned because it's it's doing things that uh, are not the norm in every case. So you quite like it then. Yeah, I would say I, I more liked it than didn't this uh, than didn't, and I found it to be quite engaging. It sounds like you might be on the other side of the the equation. To an extent, I will be the big tuner of this episode. Uh, our buddy Sean, who I'm sure we're going to mention later on, uh, big. Uh, I I didn't grab me this film, and which is disappointing for me because when we were coming up with the idea of what movie we were going to discuss this week, we had a a handful, a decent handful, and the vast of night stood out because. It was easily accessible for one, but the synopsis was interesting. I like throwback films. I like films set in these small towns in these uh in the in the fifties and sixties. It's set like that whole kind of vibe and aesthetic and tone. It, it, it I like it. It vibes with me. Add to the fact that it's framed like an old Twilight Zone episode, like in camera in film. I found it very intriguing, so I went in not entirely sure what to expect, but um. I was. It just didn't grab me. I wasn't expecting a whiz bang and anything, anything like that. Again, I'm not going to go. We don't do spoilers here, but for me, it kind of limped to a fairly obvious conclusion. I think for me, they didn't really do anything to get me pulse racing because by the time we got to the the end of the film, I was like, well, that was fairly obvious. I mean, yeah, maybe I... I was expecting like a twist or something, but mm. I, I agree with everything you said about Patterson in terms of how he directed this film. For the most part, there are some great shots. There were some long swooping takes, and some of the shots. Some of the shots felt a bit showy. There, just because Patterson maybe wanted to, because they weren't entirely. Not all of them were entirely necessary for the story. They just looked good, but they did look incredible. And that's one thing I say about the film is like, the retro vibe of the film looked great. Some of the shots were magnificent. That one you mentioned, it was very good because I was at watching it thinking. Where is this going? We're just we're we're kind of watching this basketball game whilst the camera's slowly rotating around, and it, by the time we got outside, I was like, you know what? That was a decent, very decent shot. Not sure. I I I because I, I knew why they're setting it up in terms of the basketball game and the location of people there. But um, afterwards, looking back at it, I was like, you know, well, that was a very good shot. And there was a lot of like you say lingering shots, which allowed for quite huge chunks of dialogue. And that's something yeah. I will say about the film is. It is very word heavy. It's very dialogue heavy, and the characters, let's say Faye and the DJ Everett, were fine. I didn't find myself entirely enamoured by them. I didn't think they had much development. They just kind of started and then ended in the same place. Kind of um, Everett is still the popular DJ, and Faye is the very smart switchboard operator. And Everett speaks so quickly in a thick southern accent. At times, I did find it hard to understand. And upon doing a little bit of reading into the film. A few other people seem to as well. I saw some people wanted subtitles. I'm not that daft. I didn't need subtitles, but when he was like big exposition dumps being spoken it very excitedly, I was having to strain my ear quite a lot. 
Um, there was a great shot of Faye when she's at a switchboard, which is about nine minutes long, including dialogue, which again, very, very good for a first time director. And I don't mean that to sound patronizing or anything silly like that, because, you know, first time director or Martin Scorsese, you know, if you get a good shot, it's a good shot. doesn't matter who does it. But for a first time director who's never, who hasn't had the chance to display these qualities, I think Patterson can be very happy with this. It didn't quite work for me, but I I can't say it was a bad film. I mean, like you said, there's a scene where somebody calls into a station mm-hmm. uh, and he speaks about things which are sadly still very relevant today or certain moments anyway. And yeah. um, that was listening to that. I was like, well, that's quite that's quite a, you know kick in the teeth, and that's one of the kind of fade to black or the cut to black moments. So there were some interesting choices in um, in how they delivered their scenes in this, but you know I didn't mind. I thought I, I I did wonder about the first twenty minutes when it was a lot of just following Everett and Faye around, mostly Everett as he's as he's talking to people and stuff's not really going on, and he's talking an awful lot. I did start to think this may not be very good. It does pick up. But I, but again, for me, it it kind of limped along by the end to somewhere where it was always going to go. There were, for me, I wasn't excited or surprised by the ending. It was very stage play like at times with the dialogue, which isn't a bad thing. I think it's quite good. And again, I think it speaks volumes to the to the two actors who, um, like I say, I, I hadn't heard of Sierra McCormick and Jake Horowitz. I think they did a good job being able to deliver those lines, being able to believe that they were in this situation. Even if I don't believe again that the characters got from A to B and developed that much, but characters don't always need to develop per se. Um, so, in a nutshell, I thought it was all right. I was disappointed because I thought it was going to be something a bit different. And again, that doesn't mean I expected big uh, whiz bang sort of stuff. But I don't know. This kind of this kind of like plodded along to me and never really got going. But it's not a bad yeah. film. So if I if I could speak with Andrew Patterson, I'd absolutely say, look, dude, this was a very, very, very decent first effort, and I am looking forward to seeing what he does next. Because, like you just said, John, it, it was certainly an innovative debut, and it's a throwback which we just don't see very often. Right. I will say I like the dialogue in the film a lot, and I am I am often a fan of dialogue heavy movies. Um, I Kevin Smith being a great example. I just mm. rewatched Clerks, uh, which I'll talk about in a few minutes. Um. And Clerks is a very talk-heavy film, you know, uh, a lot more cu- editing. That's that's the thing I can see with The Vast of Night really throwing some people off is there isn't a lot of editing either. Um, like, And there's a choice to stay really, really far away from our characters mm-hmm. for like the first 20 minutes or so where like I, I wouldn't have been able to identify them in a lineup kind of thing because I yeah. could not see their faces. And it's annoying and then, as well. Right, and they're uh, t- the times their backs are to us even, so we're far away, and we can't, they're not even looking at us. Um, but I was, you know, I I was into that. Um, there is a, I like, I like experts talking about what they know, mm-hmm. and he is, you know, talking about being like a DJ and knowing sound equipment, and, uh, the doing. There is that journalistic element because they're like interviewing people. I love that. So like, it hits a lot of my little check boxes that um are definitely personal um you know taste things for me things that i i often will latch on to in a movie um and i think instantaneously uh there's the they're kind of like student level you know looking for their future what are they going to do as a teacher i think i'm often drawn to that kind of thing like Mm -hmm. what are you going to do with your life huh Hmm? i'm I'm interested let's let's 
I want to see you figure it out. I'm, I want I want you to find that success that you're looking yeah, for. Leave you in the best um, possible position, yeah. And so not uh, not justifying or, or explaining why I think Matt should like it more, but also, you know, it's worthy of note. These are things that I know about myself and what, what almost always clicks for me, and these are little, little checkboxes that will make a movie work for me. Um, I can totally see why uh some people might find this film boring um or again if you don't like dialogue you're definitely going to be driven insane um i like the dialogue and i felt like the conversations felt organic um which i think is key for like a dialogue heavy movie i need Mm -hmm. the dialogue to be um to feel real and grounded like people actually talking uh about i think the two had good chemistry together i'm Mm -hmm. certainly never going to argue that i think the two bounced off each other extremely well for sure um, and uh, even the phone calls, um, there's a couple of different radio interview things that happen. Um, and I think those all work really, really well. Uh, and I, I agree. I think the ending is is just exactly kind of what you're expecting it to be um, without saying what that is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I do think it could have been even. It, it feels a little rushed almost. Um mm-hmm. And that's a little disappointing because I was enjoying the buildup and stuff. And um, there's definitely a lot of uh, you can see the the love of film as an art in his work. And I, I appreciate that greatly. So for me, it hit a lot of those little boxes that just uh, make it work. And again, I did enjoy the cast um, quite a bit. Uh, and again, it's really just those two are, are what, like 75 percent of the movie, if not more. Pretty much. Um, so if they had not been good, it would have been a torturous experience, but instead I found it to be a joyous one. So I was, I was really into it. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I wouldn't ever say it was boring. I, I for me, it was consistent at, at the level, which it was for me, which was, it was above average for me. I'm not, again, that's not meant to be derogatory towards the film, but it, you know, it got to the point where I was expecting it to deliver something towards the end, which would then for me, probably raise it up a bit. So from what, where the characters started to the steps they take to get to where they need to be towards the end, had there then been something else at the end, which maybe was a twist or just with a bit, like I say, a little bit less rushed or maybe then it would have elevated it slightly, but it just remained on the, for me on that consistent line. It never sort of went up or down. It was just, okay, it's just decent. Whereas I expected it to go up a bit towards the end, but it never did. It just stayed in that line to the point when we got to the end I was just a bit like, oh, well, well, I kind of saw that coming. And then it did. So here we are. Whereas I kind of ex- I expected, again, maybe that maybe that's on me. I expected to maybe just give us something a bit different towards the end. But in terms of the filmmaking, yeah, I, I absolutely agree. It's, there's a lot of nods to filmmaking and um, other TV shows, which are also on things like Netflix, which kind of get a, vo- a strong vibe of this as well. But... Um, yeah, if if you're going to ask me to recommend this film, absolutely go check it out, guys. Maybe another viewing will will, will help a little bit more. But I definitely didn't dislike this film. Uh, I just was left wanting more from the story. I think the story was the one of the weaker parts of the film when you've got such decent um, filmmaking skills and such decent chemistry between the leads. Uh, then I think the story just wavered slightly for them. So had we had, for me, had I had that it would have gone up more in my estimation. But no, guys out there, do go check it out, especially because if you have a Prime subscription, go check it out and let us know what you think um, because we're kind of, we're not on different ends of the fence here, but JB is slightly higher on it than me. Yeah, I'm, I'm 
actually like uh i would say i'm very high on it maybe too high on it but because of those reasons that i, I mentioned um although i will say uh, a film critic who i've i've not been following a lot recently but for years uh david Bax of um battleship pretension uh, i'm reading his letterbox review of it uh, it's just the like the opening of his full review on his website but yeah, yeah. um he gave it five stars and i was i was like yeah uh, we don't always see eye to eye on films but i felt like this one is definitely in the same uh it hits our boxes i think we have similar boxes sometimes and i i was i man just from the get-go of that film i was you know uh, i've mentioned before maybe on this podcast maybe on movie club um since the lockdown especially uh my attention has been just like all over the place and so mm-hmm. when a movie pulls me in and i don't feel like i want to be on my phone um i i know i'm into it and this was one of those films uh like recently i would say um uh, Eve's Bayou did that where I was like totally in- encapsulated with that film. It was just like mm-hmm. nothing else was, aw- I wasn't aware of anything. Fast of Night was one. And then one that I'm going to talk about when we get to uh, what else we've been watching. Um, I will wait on. Sweet. So, but Don't uh, be dangling the carrot for you there. Right. I was just looking at the, um, the kind of audience scores for it. The Rotten Tomatoes, 92%. Uh, IMDB again, take that for you. Will 6.7. And on Amazon over here.co.uk, 3.3 out of 5. So uh, for the most part, I mean, and, and then I Google 82% people like this film. So I mean, most people, the major- vast majority of people, if you're going to add those all up and calculate them, you know, the high majority of people enjoyed this film. So yeah. I think that's, that is where we're at. I think John, obviously, like we mentioned, enjoyed it a, pr- a pretty, a bit more than I did. Let's put it like that, but uh, quite a lot more, but I didn't dislike the film. I was just, um, it, it, it was fine. Yeah. And, I liked it maybe too much. You know, that's how it goes. Um, again, I like a lot of the little... Uh, I'm not... Again, me saying I like doesn't imply Matt doesn't like. Just saying... No, of course. What no, really no, yeah. stood out for me were those little um, flourishes with the camera. And, and again, mm-hmm. uh, the the cast and the dialogue. Even there's a... Reading David's uh, opening to his review, um, that opening when, when we meet Everett, and he's just like... He, he's swinging his uh, big... Well, I'm trying to be friendly here he's swinging his energy around um and it's it, man i was just like dang this guy is a, a pro and the way that we're like following him through the school which is something again i think we see with that that tracking shot later where, or it's not even a tracking shot the uh the moving one or through the the gym mm-hmm. during the basketball game we just get a good sense of the world that we're in like the the little city the little town that they're in it's in new mexico isn't it i i believe so which again makes sense uh for plot elements um which again we'll leave out since it's not in the synopsis, but um, but yeah, I I liked it so. And if you have Prime, it's free to check out. So mostly positive from what I'm looking at too. Uh, Letterbox has a three point five rating overall average, and most of the film critics that I follow, um, or at least most of the people I follow that have seen it, which is ninety six. So a lot of people that I follow have seen it, and uh, the, there's only one half star rating, and everything else is two or more. So that's not bad. If yeah. I was going to be put on the spot now out of five, or in what I watched tonight is out of ten, I, I would give it a six and a half or a seven, which is pretty much three and a half out of ten, out of five pretty much. So I, I'd go along with that. Yeah, I, I'm a little higher. I'd say like four, four point five out of five. Um, mm-hmm. So, and so off, off air we'll fight, and John's going to find a new co-host. But right. that's what we think. It's and that's it for our review of the Vast of Night. <laughs> Um, we will we will not throw to fisticuffs, but we're going to get into our next segment of chuffed headlines. So here, 
we are going to look at pop culture news uh, that caught our attention since um, the last time we recorded. Uh, it's movie, pop culture, anything entertainment related. Um, Matt, why don't you start us off? What's one of the headlines that caught your attention? Uh, one of the ones that caught my attention was uh, about a character which I know you've got a lot of reverence for, Batman. Michael Keaton is a p- reportedly, it's not confirmed, but he's apparently returning to the role of Batman in, in the upcoming Flash movie, uh, Ezra Miller's Flash movie, which if that ever actually sees the light of day. But apparently he's in talks to um to appear. Apparently Flash is going to travel back in time to save his mother, and then he's going to return to a universe where Michael Keaton's Batman is an aged protector, like a Nick Fury-type character, like a mentor, or they say a guide, or an even, even a string puller. And it's all done via the multiverse, which is something which I've always had issues with, something like that. But basically, um, if you've seen the Flash, read the Flashpoint comic series, they're gonna, it's loosely adapted around that. Which I uh, And, yeah, and it's going to basically change one of the main ideas, i.e. Bruce survives, but it's a different Bruce, which sounds mental. But the idea that of Michael Keaton coming back in any form to play Batman is one of the most left-field headlines I've seen in a long time, certainly when it comes to things which may actually come true. The Flash movie in itself has had so many, so many um, issues with directors and Ezra Miller, and that's when he's not, you know, fighting his own fans, which who knows what's going to come of that yet. The fact that they're then thinking about getting Michael Keaton back as Batman after he's just been so good. He was so good in um, Spider-Man, uh, the first one, which I forgot what it's called, Homecoming. Homecoming. He was so good as that. Oh, yeah. Uh, so the, the idea of him coming back into the DC universe now, in the Flash movie, in a film where it's gone back in time to bring him back as a different kind of Batman. Dude, I'm, you know, I'm my interest in the Flash movie's gone from none to, do you know what? I'm all up for this. If Michael Keaton's Batman's in, I don't care if it's the biggest load of toilet I've ever seen. Keaton's going to be back as Batman. That's going to get a lot of people um, yeah. back into the theaters. But you're a you're a fan of the Batman book man himself, so you've seen this, obviously. Um, Keaton Batman. I the only headline I saw this uh, in the last week about uh, Batman and the Flash movie actually had um, oh boy, I'm going to forget his name. Uh, the dude that's Negan in The Walking Dead. Um, oh, Jeffrey D. Morgan. D. Morgan, who is Thomas Wayne in. Uh, yep in what justice league or batman v superman um in the 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 very rapid origin story that was so unnecessary in that movie because everybody knows how batman becomes batman um now i've read the flashpoint paradox um i i really enjoyed those and my favorite part of that was a spinoff book of uh the batman and the premise though in the flashpoint is that the flash screws up the timeline Mm -hmm. um and Rather than Bruce, be, uh, I'm sorry. Rather than Bruce's parents being killed, Bruce was killed by the mugger, and yep. it sur- surmounts that uh, Thomas Wayne becomes Batman, and that Martha Wayne becomes the Joker, um, in this like mini series spinoff book. So when I heard that Jeffrey Dean Morgan was going to be cast, I was assuming it was going to be as Thomas Wayne because he's already been cast as Thomas Wayne in that particular universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that he would be that version of the Batman, which I was like, cool, that would be awesome because that that's a really cool story. Um, it also gives me one of my favorite Batman Bruce Wayne moments in the comic books is after Flash restores the timeline, he is somehow able to maintain a letter that Thomas wrote for Bruce. I don't fully understand how that's possible. Back to the Future logic in there, but um, somehow 
and Bruce is like single tier, you know, breaking that that uh, armor that he wears so tightly um, and showing that emotion was one of my favorite like comic book moments. But mm-hmm. um, they could do that with Michael Keaton where he could play Thomas Wayne. Um, it could be a different Bruce Wayne. It could be the older version of the character that we've seen beforehand. I mean, uh, at this point, DC is uh, they've thrown the franchise formula out the window and they're just making whatever the hell they want, yeah. which is probably the right call. Um, because I don't, I don't think we're going to see anybody do what Marvel did. I, I think Marvel found this golden, um, this, this, it's insane what Marvel did. Golden like chance. Kevin Feige, yeah, Feige deserves so much credit for being essentially the first ever film showrunner. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's he merged TV process with film, and it's never been done to that extent. Um, and to that success, obviously. So it, you know, everyone who's tried has failed, and that's. Because it's lightning in a bottle. It's not something that we need more of. We don't need everything to be a franchise. Uh, you know, when it works, it's awesome. I love the Marvel movies. I don't think they're all perfect, but I love the interconnectivity. Um, I, it does feel like a comic book come to life, yeah. which is not true of most of the other comic book movies. They're, they're movies based on comic book properties. The Marvel Cinematic Universe is a comic book come to life. And Look how many cinematic universes there are that have worked. And that goes to prove how hard it is to do. Right. Yeah, how many have failed, more importantly, since well, yeah. Marvel tried? I mean, we've seen the Universal ones, what, try twice and fail. <laughs> um, we've DC? seen this DC horrendously. DC got the farthest to, in following, but they forced it so hard. Mm-hmm. They were, like, pumping the movies out, and everyone was like, please stop. They're like, no, here's another one. are like, no, not, <laughs> don't keep doing it. They're like, no, wait, we've got three more. It's like, well, hey, please. Now, there's been good ones. Um, I, I like Wonder Woman. I'm, I was excited about Wonder Woman 84. I say was just because now it's like, well, it should have already happened. Um, and uh, I, I'm i not great on Aquaman, you know, but whatever. But I liked Ezra Miller as the Flash in Justice League. I'm a fan of that character anyways. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I like the Flash quite a bit. Um, I don't think he, I don't think he's Barry Allen. It doesn't feel like Barry Allen to me. Um, having saying that with, you know, lots of comics, I've seen both TV series, uh, the original one like back in the day I actually own on DVD. And then um, I've seen, I think the first three seasons of the current TV series. Mm-hmm. And then I just, it got too high school for me. Um, and so I don't know. I don't know that he feels like Barry Allen. Right. I, I think he could have been better as Wally maybe, but um, they did that. I feel like they did that wrong with Ryan Reynolds too. I think Ryan Reynolds would have been a better Kyle Rayner in Green Lantern than a Hal Jordan. Yeah. But um, you know, they do things like that and it's, it's fine, but I, I'm all in Michael Keaton as Batman is great. I love the Batman. I don't, I don't like Batman returns much because the penguin scares me and yeah, he's so icky. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm excited for it. So I'm, I'm in, I I hope that is what actually ends up happening. Well, it's from the Hollywood reporter. So it's not just, um, me reporting it or anything like that. So the Hollywood reporter was claiming this. So, um, and again, multiverse, just before we move on it, it, is that where DC is going to go? Because we've also we've also got the Batman with Robert Pattinson, and suddenly yep. another Batman is Michael Keaton, and uh, like we've had Jared Leto's Joker, and then we've had Joaquin Phoenix Joker. And I know that they weren't meant to be connected, but you know we're throwing a lot of the same characters out there now. But now we've got the word multiverse and multiple timelines tucked in there. That is that DC's way of you know basically tying everything together by saying, well, actually the Flash messed everything up with his by creating multiple timelines and all the films you've seen are all kind of linked, but they're all happening at different, in different timelines. They're all parallel to each other. So I don't know if that's how they're going to try to do that. If they do, 
uh, don't because I can see that going quite wrong. But it's interesting that they're going to have Robert Pattinson as the Batman and potentially Michael Keaton as an aged Bruce Wayne uh, in yeah. films coming under the same banner. But uh, I'm I'm up for it if it is if it is true. Just to see, I'm up for most things. Michael Keaton's in, but just to see Keaton back as Batman. But um, what headline have you seen that caught your eye then? Well, so I I try to keep up with like video game releases and stuff, and there's a lot of like they put way too many games out. Just like for a while, I felt like they were putting way too many movies out. You know, it's like we don't need 20 releases every week, mm-hmm. um, in some capacity. And but one game caught my eye. Now, the Star Wars video game franchise has been up and down throughout the years, right? Like sometimes they're really yes. great, and then sometimes they're not so good. Um, they've been all over the place. We, you know, I, I remember uh, Knights of the Old Republic was a game I loved uh, back in the day. I thought it was so cool. Um, and so what caught my eye on this week's uh, Kutaku, This Week in Games, That's So Wizard, is that um, apparently Star Wars Episode One Racer is being released uh, today when we're recording this for PS4 and Nintendo Switch. And I loved the pod racing game on uh, N64. I didn't own an N64. Um, I went the PlayStation route during the 64 time, um, but my friend did, and I would go to his house and we'd play the Pod Racer game all the time. So when I saw they were re-releasing this, I was like, well, that's interesting. Hmm. Um, I don't know if I haven't read anything about it, so I don't know if they've, other than this article, but they did, this article is about like all the game releases, and this is just the game that like really caught me and made me look at this article. Um, is I don't know how much of an upgrade they're doing, or if it's just going to be like a weird port, like, you know, uh, old Nintendo game. The fact that it's on PS4 and Switch gives me hope that they've done some, uh, you know, re- revamping with the graphics or something. And it's not just a Nintendo 64 emulator. But um, I'm excited to give it a try. I'm hoping it's cheap. I haven't seen the pricing for it. I, I'm, I don't want to spend a lot of money on an old game um, that I honestly probably would play like three times and never pick up again because it's one of those type <laughs> of games where it's like, yeah, nostalgia. All right, I'm good. Okay. Yeah. Um, but to burst your bubble, there are no upgrades, there are no updates. It is the game you remember just being plunked onto PS4 and Switch. Uh, I had a look before. Have, have you picked it up? Because I know, uh, if you don't know this, listeners, Matt is a bit of a Star Wars nerd. Um, Dork. So, would you say, uh, um, are you, are you going to buy it? Or I'm not in any... I'm not in any rush to pick this up, to be honest. Unless it had a very low price point. For the reasons you've said... Because that it's, mm. I enjoyed it when I played it uh, as a young youngster, but I can't see myself dropping thirty quid on this thirty pounds yeah, forty dollars, and then playing it a couple of times and being like, right, this is, I'm bored of this now because I mean I love the pod racing scene in the Phantom Menace. People yep. say it went on too long, but I had a great time with that. It's probably the one of the top two or three moments of that film for sure. Um, and I enjoyed, I enjoyed the game, but. Um, when I realised that this eve, this afternoon before we came on, that there were there were no upgrades or updates to kind of bring it in line with today's standards, I didn't I didn't expect a full revamp. Right. Then you're just getting a new game, but notice there are no tweaks. It is just as is, which is a bit disappointing because there has been um, StarWars.com have been dropping a lot of uh, articles about this in the last what year probably, certainly the last six months, and it's been fairly anticipated just for that nostalgia kick. Which obviously the franchise think, is quite good at giving. I think uh, Lucas Films, Lucas Films is still their game division, or do they have a game? Like, uh, well, it's EA now, isn't it? Because they used to be well, Lucas yeah, Arts. Yeah. Used to do. Lucas they used Arts, to drop. That's what it is. So many, like you said, they used to drop so many great games, and then also a lot of rubbish. I always felt and, like 
like they dropped the ball with not making this their Mario Kart though, like not making this an annual or at least a console, you know, new version, upgrade it and make it, you know, like there's so many ways you can make this like with Jabba, like, you know, there could be like a gambling thing. There could be a whole, there could be a story mode. Like there's so much to do with this, especially because of, like you said, one of the complaints is that that pod racing scene is so long and it's like you have this there's such a kick for these racer games like how many different franchises have their version of mario kart like coming out today too was a a, a revamp of a spongebob version of that that game model <laughs> so like here it is pod racing now granted episode one not everyone's favorite a lot of people it's uh, some people would put it as their their least favorite i don't agree with that um it's not my favorite but it's not my least favorite either um maybe it is it's in the bottom like star wars for sure but I love the Darth Maul fight, and I love the pod racing sequence. Those are like the two things that I instantly will defend from that movie, and um, and Qui Gon Jinn, just as a general. I like Qui Gon. Word out my mouth then. Um, and yet, like it just feels like this is a forgotten element, and I it's never in any of the other films, which I think is a mistake. But at least you can argue that's that's the biggest complaint I think that you can levy at the pod racing is that it shouldn't have been on Tatooine, only because like no one talks about it in a new hope you know it's like it's like yeah. <laughs> no it would still be really relevant people would be talking about pod racing like luke could have been like but i was gonna go pod racing or i was gonna go to the pod races with you know wedge and pigs or Touch something station. You know? right like if only uh, god i hope lucas doesn't hear this we'll probably fight to dub it in or something no <laughs> yes i mentioned pod racing um the new special editions yeah but you know uh yeah I, i'm I, I did look this morning on the Nintendo Switch store and it was not up there yet, um, but it was it was a little early. I don't know if they had like a set time when they released the new games, but because I was just curious at the price. I feel like this it would be a solid Switch game. I don't know if I would drop the money on the PS4 um, version of it. Uh, if it's under 10, I might I might snag it. If it's more than 10, I will wait till it's on sale for under 10. Um, but yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah, again, it's not much more much more to add to that other than I'm I'm in the same boat as you. I can't find a price point for it at the minute. I've had a quick look, but um, they're they're keeping that one under wraps until I actually turned on the PlayStation and had a look myself. But yeah, everything you just said, yeah, they could easily have made a game out of this, um, a proper game, or even now because they're bringing out a new game, obviously Star Wars Squadrons. Right. Why not just give us like a fun race a game like this? But obviously, because everything is you're talking about shared universes or cinematic universes where everything is now canon in star wars where everything matters like books comics games mobile games films you can't they just can't put out single standalone games anymore which is a shame because they all have to connect to the main stories to put out a pod race again they'd have to then uh intertwine it in with an element of the existing story which you know and and pod race has been mentioned like very occasionally in like rebels you'll see in the background or in one of the comics you'll see like a poster of a pod race but it's something which had a lot of legs potentially, but they didn't go that way. But anyway, I, I agree. If it's if it's cheap enough, I'll I'll, I'll pick it up. So uh, pod race. And any more to say about that one, my friend? Nope. Let's get to your second headline. Yeah. Um, well, this one was. Uh, it didn't catch my eye for any other reason other than the fact that obviously it's it's just a loss to the movie world, and it kind of came out of um, nowhere. And I said to John off air that obviously. You know, the time comes for everyone, but, you know, this this one, this bit of news came out of nowhere. And it's the sad news, obviously, that Joel Schumacher passed away. He's 80 years old, and I was surprised this was John, that I didn't realise that Joel Schumacher was, was that age. But, obviously, he's best known to the masses 
for his Batman films, Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. But let's not forget, he also directed The Lost Boys, which is a seminal 80s movie. Excellent. Or at least very good 80s film. Uh, St. Elmo's Fire. He did Phone Booth. Hold on, wait, 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 wait. Before you list anything else, ooh, ooh, yeah. I think it it would be fun to like. What's your favorite sh- uh, Schumacher film? What's your least favorite Schumacher film? That's a very good show. Well, I'll throw. Okay, but uh, what's your what's what's your least favorite Schumacher film? In okay, so the obvious one would be Batman and Robin, right? Because yes. it's it's trash. But I'm gonna go with a little more controversial one, and I'm gonna say the Phantom of the Opera, um, because. Because I don't think I like opera, um, in general. I also uh, I don't think um, is it Gerard Butler is the uh, yeah. yeah he can't sing, um, in my opinion. I, I I was not enjoying that. We watched that uh, for movie club uh, musical month, and it was torture with him. The girl who is in the American version of Shameless, Emma Rosa, mm-hmm. sings very very well. Um, but I don't like this. I, it's not that's not really a, a much of a criticism of Schumacher. I don't think as much as maybe the overall story. It's just I don't like it. I don't think it's very good. Um, I totally don't understand why everybody loves it. Uh, but you know, but Batman and Robin again. It's I felt too obvious because there's, there's especially as a Batman fan, it, it's like Batman Power Rangers, and it, it it does pull a little bit of the campy from the Adam West Batman, but it just did not do it well in my opinion. And I remember just being so. So that might have been the first time where I saw a movie that I was so sure I was going to love <laughs> and then walked out trying to still love it, but just knowing I didn't, you know what I mean? Like where there's like, like, no, but, but Batman, it, no, it, it can't be bad. Cause it's, it's Batman. And then gradually just like, Oh God, what, it what was that? You. Um, yeah, it, it totally did. Um, that's my least favorite. What about you? Um, to to yeah, to swerve the obvious, so I'm going to go for a film which is about ten years old, maybe maybe a bit more. I can't remember now. It's called Trespass. It's got um, it's Nicolas Cage and Ben Mendelsohn, Nicole Kidman in it, and it's frankly bloody awful. But it's um, basically it's a re- a, a fairly well off uh, family, all happy until a load of thugs basically jump in and. <laughs> invade them disguised as coppers uh, and it's just so vanilla it's just so arse but it's really not very good it's just Nicolas Cage doing doing Nicolas Cagey type things it's just so many plot twists and it's it's an idea which could have probably been quite good but it just wasn't well executed whatsoever so it's you know trespass not very good if you're going to twist my arm to say something other than um, Batman and Robin. Yeah, but what about, what about your number yeah. one? What about your top three Mac of them? Because he has done some decent uh, films. So he has. Um, and some that, like, I always forget he he did Lost Boys, right? Like, mm. that's... Um, although, I gotta say, I'm not a huge Lost Boys fan. Um, I did not see it as a kid. And so by the time I finally got to it, it just felt like 80s camp, and I don't enjoy mm. it. Um, I've only watched it once, so to be fair, but... Um, I recently watched Phone mm-hmm. Booth, which I like, yep. but... The movie that uh, surprised me was another 80s film, Flatliners. Mm. Really, I enjoyed the... We watched it right before the, the remake came out, which the remake, trash. Mm, but, uh, yeah, so bad. And I was really disappointed because I'm a big Ellen Page fan, so I was, like, rooting for it. And it, no, But um, Flatliners, I, I it really worked for me, and I enjoyed it very, very much. Um, and so uh, I would say that was probably my favorite. I am a defender of Batman Forever. Um <laughs> I don't think it holds up super well, but I do like it. I am not against it. Um, 
it, it's Jim Carrey being Jim Carrey. Uh, noticeable gaps for me though um i own tigerland and the number 23 and i've not watched mm-hmm. either one of those um and saint elmo's fire is one of the few 80s molly ringwall vehicles uh is she not in it oh i'm wrong she's not in it i thought she mm-hmm. was um it's, it just feels like she should be in it maybe that's why i never saw it uh because it's got like rest of the breakfast club and then it's got some other you know younger actors in there demi moore rob Lowe. um it's like breakfast club meets uh the outsiders um but uh i've never seen samuel's fire and that feels like i probably should have um and maybe one day i will but uh and i i feel like i've seen dying young and bad company but don't remember those movies at all like i think i might have saw them when i was super young um well i like saint elmo's fire i think that's very good i really do like saint elmo's fire the whole brat pack um time of the 80s he did a film called falling down with michael douglas in it which I thought yeah. was very decent. It's it's not the best film I've ever seen, but I liked it. I thought it was good. I thought Michael Douglas was really, really very good in it. But Flatliners as well, I would have gone for that with uh, Kiefer Sutherland oh, and all. I really enjoyed that. Kevin um, Bacon, obviously, Julie Roberts. I thought it was great yeah, for Roberts. a horror thriller of the yeah. time. I really thought it was decent. And yeah, the less said about the remake, the better. But yeah, I thought Flatliners was, yeah. a, it was an interesting premise, which they... Which they managed to pull off quite well, and um, I'm not so keen on Batman Forever as you are. I just this, I, I, you know, I, I, I appreciate it more than Batman and Robin, which was just a dumpster fire. But um, yeah, I'm not so hot on them. Phone booth, I did enjoy that though. Colin Farrell, Southern like again, it. I did quite enjoy that. Um, even yeah. even with its ending, I did think it was a really decent film. And he has got, if you look at his filmography, he has done a lot of films which are. Again, at worst, you know, pretty decent, if not, if not, yeah. you know, pretty damn good actually. And like all directors, every director, it has stumbles somewhere. That's just the nature of art. But you know, he's got Joel Schumacher. Look past the Batman films, which a lot of the headlines surrounding his passing away haven't been able to do. And I've seen some pretty, you know, pretty disrespectful, stupid headlines about, you know, people saying about the bat nipples or saying, you know. It's it's sad he's died, but the Batman films are crap. So there's that. It's, like, it's not it's not how we you know read through them. It's not how you do it because it's you know it's a it's a very sad news. And look past those films for whatever you like them or whether you love them or hate them. Very talented director who gave us some very decent films and some uh, fairly fairly iconic in their roles like Flatliners and The Lost Boys is extremely iconic. And I'd say St. Elmo's Fire was as well. It's so synonymous with that time of the decade and the and the uh, actors who were in it. Like you've mentioned, Rob Lowe, Emilio Estevez, and all, and all Demi Moore as well. So I mean, he's given us a lot of films mm-hmm. which uh, I looked back on with a lot of fondness. So it was a, I thought it was very sad news uh, about Joel Schumacher passing away. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, apparently he'd been fighting cancer for a while though, and mm-hmm. so um, and he is eighty, which not eighty is not you know necessarily old right now, but with cancer and being eighty, it's definitely the odds are stacked against you. So. Um, but it is sad to see him go. And again, while not every movie he's done is beloved, uh, he definitely had a style and a voice that came through his films. And yeah. you got to at least respect that, even if you don't enjoy watching the movies. It's like, oh, he knew what he was. He, he knew what he wanted to do. And that's what he did. Um, again, doesn't yeah. always mean you'll enjoy it. But hey, um, and your, your second headline was much more somber and serious. So I thought I'd end on one. I, I heard on uh, Cheddar Need to Know podcast this morning. Um, nice. And I thought it's it's loosely 
a film related thing because I know of the movie Cannonball Run, but I've mm-hmm. never seen it. And Not apparently, Cannonball. Oh, oh, okay. Uh, Cannonball Run. Cannonball Run is the drive from California to New York. Um, now I don't know if that's what the movie's actually about, but given what I know, it does appear to be about something along those lines. Although there's a demolition derby tied into the film. So, oh, and David Carradine's in it. I did not know that. Uh, so, oh, that's Cannonball. Sorry, that's Cannonball, not Cannonball Run. Um, <laughs> Cannonball Run? Yeah, Burt Reynolds. Yeah, I thought it was a Burt Reynolds movie. Um, yeah, Farrah Fawcett, yeah. Cross-Country Road Race is based on an actual event. So, yeah. Um, so, apparently, uh, people have tried to, like, beat the record or whatever. And this guy beat the record, and I guess, like, smashed the record. He got it from... California to New York in 26 hours um, <laughs> with, I think, only one break. Uh, I'm assuming he must have wore a diaper to use the restroom or had some other system um, in a rental Mustang where he basically had extra gas tanks put into the, the backseat and the passenger wow. seat to allow for like nonstop travel. Um, and uh, yeah, just insane. Um, yeah. Well, that's, caffeine uh, as well, I bet. Oh, I can't imagine, dude. Like, that's so long. Like, it, I mean, it's a day, but, like, trusting yourself to drive. And he listed he went 108 miles per hour, like, through most of it. So, like, he's recklessly driving uh, with no sleep and no no rest stops. Uh, yeah. So, insane. But, you know, clearly he had prepped for this. Uh, and it's, he's alone, too. It's not like he has anyone to talk to for that whole day. So, very, very dangerous. Not something you should try. But apparently people try this all the time. Even trying to find this article, I had to go to the podcast and get their show notes because when I just Googled it, I was getting articles from like two or three months ago with other people <laughs> who had tried things. So, um, uh, but it, I thought it was interesting and again, loosely connected to film because of the, the Cannibal Run movie that neither of us have seen, but it does exist. Um, Roger Moore, the uh, a Bond is even, as I'm you sure said. Roger Moore. Jackie Chan's in it. Yes, yeah, Sammy Davis Jr., Dean Martin. Terry Bradshaw, there, there you go. Um, I might check it out one day. If it appears in astrology, I might check it out. Well, maybe we'll do the BAMP Cannibal Run. One day we'll go from California to New York in 26 days. <laughs> so we can take in all the things eat and sleep as well. Ah, okay. Oh, I like that so much more. That sounds. That's like the Cannibal uh, Leisurely Stroll. That's I right. Think that's that's like the Cannibal Slump, yeah. <laughs> the Cannibal yeah. Canter. Yeah. <laughs> we'll try it. But, um, yeah, we'll do it. We'll do it one day. Uh, so that that's it for the headlines. Uh, Matt and I consume a lot of media, and so we thought we would uh, discuss the media that we've consumed since the last time we recorded with media consumption. Um, this could be movies, TV, video games, podcasts, etc. Uh, Matt, why don't you go first? What? Um, oh, oh, I'm I'm very intrigued to hear some of these. Uh, you finally got into a video game that I like quite a bit. I did. Yeah, I've got a few things since our last episode last week. Um, was because the previous episode we had like three days in between. This time we've had a solid week of media consumption. The first thing on my list is the main one uh, and i finally after years of threatening to do it i finally got around to starting the last of us the first game because obviously the second installment is out now to critical acclaim and lots of people bemoaning the story for their own reasons but uh, i finally got around to playing the last of us and i'm i'm not a huge way through only because i haven't been able to dedicate as much time as i want to but I'm a decent chunk of the way through, and I really am enjoying it so far. I'm really, really liking it. I'm terrified of the clickers and making a sound. I, I'm 
the worst shot in the world. I've been speaking of Big Tuna earlier on. I've been speaking of BT off air, who because uh, JB mentioned that I've been playing it to him, who's also just started playing it, and we've bonded or well, not bonded. We're, I, I, we speak anyway, but we've uh, decided together we are the worst shots in the world, even with auto locking <laughs> on. I'm so bad. I, I try to punch the clickers; it doesn't work. I I, fran- I panic every time they come near me, even though I try to like throw things to distract them. I still end up being lumped upon, but I really wanted to get through this as quickly as possible so I could get on to the second game uh, because I've heard so, so much about it. And obviously the reverence for the first game and people are calling it like the game of the decade. I was like, well, I'm not the biggest gamer in the world anyway, but if a game is getting such high, high um, reviews and a critical praise, I want to jump on board. And these kind of games I enjoy anyway. I used to like playing the Resident Evil games because I like the first person shooters where it's just you on a map and things are trying to eat you and you got to get your way out of there. I like those kind of games. They're my kind of jam. Um, but I'm really digging The Last of Us so far. And I know you've played this one. Have you played the second yeah. one? No, I, I, am, I had uh, a commitment to myself when the quarantine started um, and I was finding myself to have more time to play video games that I needed to beat games that I've been buying but had not beaten mm-hmm. yet. Um, so I've been checking off a lot and then I found I finally beat Detroit Become Human a few weeks ago and that uh, introduced me to a style of game I didn't realize was a genre which is like the choose your own adventure type of game um, where like you can replay the game and get different endings depending on how you play and so I found uh, Until Dark um, which I'm going to talk about momentarily actually uh, but um, and a a couple of other games I haven't started yet but I bought those because they were all like 10 bucks or cheaper and uh so that's kind of my my i'm like oh my god i gotta play these and then um i i bought the final fantasy 7 remake a while Mm. back um like because it was on there was a sale on memorial day at gamestop and so i need to get through that so my goal is to beat final fantasy 7 um i beat until dark and then i will allow myself to buy last of us 2 so i probably have at least a week or two before i even can justify spending another 50 dollars on a video game but what did you think of the first um, one love the first one uh, the downside for me is i did play the first one on ps3 when it initially came out i loved it so much um it was actually one of the motivators for me to buy a ps3 i came very late to the ps3 i was a p i was a xbox 360 person mm-hmm. um now i'm more of like i own all the systems and i would i don't have a preference i just like what i like um but uh I, I've been excited for this. Um, I have managed to avoid spoilers, but I have heard some of the complaints, and I guess some might consider some of the complaints spoilerish. I don't because it's not really plot as much. Um, but I I think the first one's got one of the best stories and two characters who I absolutely love. Like still, um, I am a little worried that I won't instantly click with the second game because I haven't played the first one in so mm-hmm. long. Um, I consider trying to like. I, I have it for PS4 as well, so I was considering, like, maybe I'll play through the, that one again. And I'm like, ah, I don't know. I have so many other games I still need to beat I, if I'd rather just jump to the next one. But um, but I'm glad you and Big Tune are playing it. I was going to mention his his uh, telling me that his aim was awful. Yeah, we are the um, same. It would be it would make great streaming. Uh, people would be infuriated because I keep pressing the wrong button. Like I think it's I think I think it's R2 on the PlayStation to shoot. And I keep pressing R1, which changes the angle of shooting. So I'm just standing there, sort of like switching left and right when I'm being um when I'm being mauled when I'm pressing the wrong bloody button. <laughs> so um, I and again I I'm not a gamer, but I'm not you know bad. I'm st- like an idiot. I can play games, 
But for some reason, I just haven't mastered the controls, but I'm getting there. I'm going to probably play a bit more tonight as well because I really want to start plowing through it. But again, the complaints I've heard about the second one from the review bombers, as far as I'm aware, everything was set up in the first game. So I'm not entirely sure where they're coming from on that one. But yeah, really dig in there at Last of Us. Um, what else? Football. The Premier League's back. John's favourite sport. So uh, I know he's happy about that. Yeah. So I've stolen his thunder there. Sorry, but... Yeah, they, the Premier League is back. They beat. There's like two or three games on every day. It's excellent. There's no fans in the stadium, but multi-millionaire footballers can get tested before the public can. And I know that's happening in sports all over the world, but it's just good to have the uh, the game back and for my team to win the first game easily. So that was good. Um, in terms of films, I have been watching Apollo 13 and Ex Machina recently. Uh, two films uh, for the Back Row podcast. Two films I very much enjoy which again is the whole point of the back row podcast but uh forgotten yeah. how much i enjoyed ex machina uh really really do dig that film uh, obviously poe dameron and general hux together and um lara croft in there as well great film but i've also had to watch frozen frozen fever finding nemo and the little mermaid on disney plus because it's still quarantine schools are still out and the young one needs to be kept entertained so frozen at the minute or disney frozen as she calls it is the, what's frozen fever is that a it's short like a 15 20 minute long um short short film with i think it's i think it's anna's birthday which elsa has to plan and elsa's not elsa's not feeling very well you see so anna's trying not to trying to put her to bed and uh sven and Kristoff and olaf are trying to organize the party and doesn't go and it all falls apart but it all comes good in the end guys and there's an olaf's frozen adventure as well so he loves all that stuff so oh. I hate that. Yeah, same here, but I can't say that. Um, I can on the safety of the podcast, but a lot of Disney films on Disney Plus have been kind of on in the background. So not a bad week. Wait a minute. Not a bad week, but... Are you saying your your child doesn't listen to the podcast? Yeah, she's daft like that. You know, I've still got a lot of work to do with her. Um, So I I want... uh, um, Apollo 13 is one of my major gaps. I've never seen it. (laughs) I've owned it for a long time now too. I thought you'd have seen that. I, I, yeah, I I don't have a reason that I haven't. Like I love the cast. Um, I am a, I am I wouldn't say I'm a Ron Howard like oh yeah Ron Howard's Ron directing, Howard but I generally like Ron Howard. Mm-hmm. Right? Like I don't I don't actively dislike his movies, and I like several. And I am a a big advocate for the Jim Carrey Ron Howard Grinch movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I I haven't watched it. I need to make it a priority. Um, I I keep. It, that's the other issue is like so many other people have seen it that i've never really been like in a situation where it's like hey let's watch apollo 13 true um so like and in, in, until i did the uh the blank check um did michael mann i had not seen heat mm. uh, and that's a movie that everyone was like heat i'm like yeah i haven't seen it but i have now but uh apollo 13 is on that list so two and a half hours um, check it out when you have time but in between gaming Right, which that has been a big struggle because I have been really getting hooked into games, which I will start with. I finally beat uh, Jedi Fallen Order, which is one of the games that I bought and hadn't beat. Um, and I was like, I have to beat this game. So I beat it. Uh, I uh, It took a couple of tries um, to, to finally knock out the last boss. I won't say no spoilers uh, for this either, but I, I enjoyed the ending um, of the game quite a bit. Um, I did like the characters. Uh, BD one is probably one of my favorite droids in the star Wars universe. Um, I, I mean, to be fair, like they gave you your own version of an R2 slash BB eight that does more stuff. Um, like a little puppy. Right. It, right. It very much is. And, um, I, I loved him, uh, instantly almost. Um, and so, 
really enjoyed beating that game. And as soon as I beat that game, I started Until Dark on PlayStation 4. Um, this is one of those, as I mentioned, the choose-your-own-adventure type games. But it is, <laughs> Matt, I really think you got to play this game. One, I feel like these games you are not requiring video game skill. Uh, maybe a little bit of reaction time because there's there's what they call like quick time events where you have to like hit hit those button in in the right amount of time or there's consequences. Um, but mm-hmm. it's not like moving controls or like aiming so much. There's a little bit of aiming in Until Dark, but it's really it's is pretty. It until Dawn. It is Until Dawn. I'm sorry, I keep saying Until Dark. I'm looking. I'm making sure I've got the right one here. I've I flipped the the thing. Until Dawn is the it's you're you have to survive <laughs> until dawn. That's the, gotcha. the premise. Um, it's a game though where the consequences are real so like let's say you mess up a button push and a character dies that character's dead they may not have like you you could have kept them alive but you screwed up or you made a choice and allowed for that character to die it's a horror movie in that way and so you're you can literally have multiple outcomes of who survives based on how you play and what choices you make and that also uh, affects personalities and relationships of the characters I've only played it through once. I watched a video after I beat it um, of a couple of like the the perfect playthrough kind of thing. Um, I don't know. I, I definitely can see myself playing through it again. It is scary at times, uh, but not like it felt like I was watching a horror movie. Like there were like jump scares and stuff that I was kind of even like, oh, you stupid game. You got me. But uh, very much enjoyed <laughs> playing it. I'm looking forward to playing the other ones that are uh, not all of them are horror based as Detroit Become Human is not horror based at all and does require a little bit more game skill. But um, I have Men of Madon, which I think is called like Dark Pictures colon Men of Madon or something like that. And then uh, Hidden Agenda, which is a um, like you're playing a detective trying to find a murderer. Um, and again, your choices matter. You can actually finish the game and not catch the murderer is my understanding. Like it's it's that nice. choice defiant. So I, I really like this type of game. Um, it's a lot of fun. Um, although also until dawn and detroit both left me feeling very upset with myself because like it wasn't quite the outcome that i wanted and i was like dang it man um i felt all very on your shoulders yeah right it's all on your shoulders like you you crafted the story and you screwed up uh but uh i've also been watching gilmore girls um yep. i am up to episode 20 uh of, that's season one has 24 or 25 episodes so i've got a long way to go but I really like the show a lot. I I found uh, a lot of joy. They are movie people, so there's tons of movie references in the in the uh, the show, and like all from all over film history too. So it's it's sometimes not believable, but at the same time believable because she was raised to like old movies. But it's still like yeah, but teenagers don't like old movies. Um, I know because I teach teenagers, and most of them <laughs> have never heard of the movies that I introduce them to that are old, and only about half of them like the older movies. Um, but Gilmore Girls, I say watch. Uh, Film-wise, I watched Bessie, which is an HBO original. It's on the Slate Film, uh, the Slate Black, sorry, Slate Magazine's Black Film Canon list. Um, It stars Queen Latifah. uh, It's a biopic about a uh, blues blues singer from the 20s and 30s. Um, I knew nothing about. Uh, It's very interesting, though. Um, It's on HBO Max. Um, Great performance from Latifah. Uh, Clerks, I rewatched um, because I listened to the IMDb podcast with Kevin Smith on it, and I was really, really wanting to watch Clerks. And boy, was I happy that I did! It made me feel so good. I, mm-hmm. I love that movie. I love still. that film. It's so fun, and so many little things about it just really click for me. Uh, and little little segments. Um, okay, so I've also been watching Spike Lee films, uh, and I watched two in the last two days. I watched Inside Man for the first time. Yeah. 
holy crap i love that movie oh, that i movie thought you would pulled me in so hard i was like almost from the opening shot of clive owen one of the best clive owen performances mind you um because that guy's up and down for me like i don't like him in a lot but i like him in this a whole lot um i uh really of course love denzel um i mean how do you how do you not love denzel you know mm. denzel's always great um and then jodie foster who is not in it as much as i expected her to be um still like her almost always um i mean and uh christopher Plummer is great willem dafoe um i mean just inside man boy that movie was something i i was so engrossed in that film and it's it's really cool and then I watched Clockers today from 1995, another Spike Lee film. I haven't seen that uh, one. Another Spike Lee joint. Uh, I had not either. Uh, Delroy Lindy, Lindo is in it, who was in um, Crooklyn and also in The Five Bloods that we reviewed last yep. week. Um, it had Mackay Pfeiffer, who is fantastic, um, in Clockers especially. Uh, and then it's got, um, who was really big at the time uh, because of uh, Reservoir Dogs Pulp Fiction. And Harvey Keitel, though, is in this. As a detective, I, I like Cartel Kaitel a lot in that little run. Um, love Reservoir Dogs. Uh, he's he's not in Pulp Fiction very long, but he's a cool part of Pulp Fiction. And then um, in Clockers, I think he's really good. Uh, it deals a lot with uh, police and and race relations, so very relevant to now. Something I mean, Spike Lee has always talked about race relations in his movies, so it's not surprising, mind you. But um, I found it to be. Uh, kind of crazy at times and i and I also had myself wondering like how accurate his portrayal of some of the police like brutality is not necessarily wrong but it's 1995 so I assume maybe the movie set like a year or two before that like they get uh shook down like the, they're suspected drug dealers or even i would say maybe known drug dealers and the the narc cops show up and like they're like strip searching them basically in the middle of the park like mm-hmm. i don't know they had no warrants or anything either it was just like probable cause suspicion and i'm like is that was that allowed is that allowed now i don't know well like is there like like drop your drawers like we don't see it but i mean like full-on like checking underneath their balls and stuff for for drugs i was surprised i I was like i don't know if this is like legal or if this was just what was happening or if this is still happening but given this the nature of our our world right now especially over here um i i did find the movie to be extremely poignant um and very very good again i i uh I liked it, and then I think when it gets, it's kind of, it. I think it could be maybe like fifteen minutes shorter because it does kind of slow roll you. But once it gets to where it's going, it's the ending is intense. Like just stuff happens, like and it's all set up and paid off really, really well towards the end. Um, yeah, I liked it a lot. I I liked. Um, ins- I think that's it for media consumption, right? But- Pretty much, yeah. I mean, I liked Inside Man and Clerks. Full in order. I'm glad you enjoyed that. The second one's coming out in a couple of years' time, and uh, I love I love the family in that game. Like the main characters, I really love them in the ship. And the second and the second game, well, where the first one ended off, a couple of I know there's certainly one character who's being introduced. I've been privy to that is a uh, it's going to make things a little bit harder for our heroes to get out of that situation. So well, that's interesting. But um, just in a bit of news pop up, uh, the old breaking news, and I thought this would interest you, but also a lot of cinephiles out there. Our boy, Edgar Wright, we know he's doing Last Night in Soho, which is coming out next year now. He's uh, he's announced what his next film is after oh. that, because that film is now in post-production. Edgar Wright's next film is a thriller, and it's got the synopsis. Here we go, John. A stranger, it's a thriller, a stranger oh, has boy. kidnapped your child. To free them, you must abduct someone else's child. 
Your child will be released when your victim's parents kidnap another child. It's uh, it's called The Chain. So the only way to get your child back is to kidnap somebody else's. And the only way they get their kid back is if their parents kidnap someone else. So it's a really... Edgar Wright's going full-on kidnapping thriller in his in his next film. What did you think about that, just from the synopsis? That's interesting. Did he... um? Did he write this one? Like, based on that? Uh, yeah, like... it's coming off of Fandango as well, yeah. Man, I am... Uh, that's interesting. I wonder... Man, that's going to... I wonder how many parents we're going to see. You know what I'm saying? Like, is it going to be... Mm. Like, will we get a cold open where we see, like, a, a kid being kidnapped and then that family will be who we are following the rest of the movie. Are we going to see multiple people? You know, cause there's a lot of different ways you could go about this. Um, I'm, I'm intrigued. Uh, I mean, I, I, I'm a little disappointed about Soho. I was really hoping he would just push it out to digital, but um, I mean, it might've got delayed. It may not have been done. You said it was still in post. So it may not have been done uh, editing and stuff. It was before. supposed to be done for November. It was originally scheduled for, I was expecting him to debut it at TIFF. Um, but yeah, that mm-hmm. maybe it it got pushed back too much, but bummer because I was really looking forward to that. But um, because we you know just like with Tarantino and with Anderson, we we get we don't get a lot of their movies because they write them, they you know they do all of it. So I was really hoping to get it this year, but uh, I'm in for the the new one. Let's let's see it. You know, I'm all in on Edgar Wright. So. Yeah, the chain song. They go drop them in the last half an hour. So Edgar Wright's got last night in Soho, which I'm really looking forward to, like you are. And now the chains. So um, looking forward to that. But unfortunately, I can't say I've consumed that this week because it ain't out yet. But I've seen the news. Right. But, um, but hey, I guess uh, yeah, that's media break, consumption. Breaking headlines. Uh, yeah, breaking news. Um, but the last thing yeah, we but, like to do before we wrap up is talk about how we're staying bloody awesome. Uh, Matt, what are you doing to stay bloody awesome? I've gone down the rabbit hole. I'm through the looking glass. I watched Apollo 13 and then I immediately went onto YouTube and I started watching space-based what-if videos. So not necessarily things related to the movie, but space as a... Oh, just space terrifies me. Like the idea of being up there, something going wrong or being blasted into space and then like, drifting forever or just what's out there. You know what I mean? It's infinite, but you never know what's happening. So I started looking at videos, you know, what of a black hole entered into our system or began popping up on earth what if an asteroid hit earth of different sizes um what if what if what if something happened what if the sun died and all that kind of stuff i was like probably should it's really depressing to watch because i suddenly started because they started saying oh you know the odds of an asteroid hitting earth are x and x to one and there was one which could cause serious damage which could happen like 2090 which i may not be here by then and, I was, and they said, oh, well, there's a 100 something to one chance of hitting Earth and how are we going to stop it? I was like, right. Now I'm extremely depressed because at the same time, any moment we could be subjected to an asteroid strike or a meteor strike and or a black hole could just decide to gobble us up and don't really fancy uh, being part of that. But yeah, I don't know why, but I just started watching What If videos and I spent like half an hour afterwards just pale and staring at the sky. Oh. So yeah, those oh, things man, scare me. But space scares me, but those videos are great to watch, even though at the end of it, they always say, this is all hypothetical because we've got no idea if it could happen. And let's face it, it isn't going to, you know, it's not going to happen in our lifetime, but it's still scary. But it's keeping me bloody awesome because it's keeping me on my toes. There you go. There you go. I was wondering how you were going to twist it to being bloody awesome. <laughs> but, um, mm. I I used a different video service. Um, I, I, I got into TikTok uh, when the 
lockdown happened um, we were encouraged to like make videos for our students and be like it, it's a it's actually a pretty powerful editing app um it makes you essentially edit in the uh the phone ratio which is not good for video but it is for what they mm-hmm. what they are and i didn't know this but apparently when you first start your tiktok you have like their default algorithm which uh, is um just their gen- it's basically whatever the most trending videos are so it's going to be a lot of people yeah. dancing to the music and it's annoying if you're on it long enough and you like enough stuff <laughs> the algorithm will give you a kind of curated to your interest tiktok right and so right now my my for you feed is keto and pets and ma- mostly like <laughs> comedic pet stuff right so it's it's a happy place for me right now because i one i get a bunch of cool keto recipes in fact i did one I, I did a keto recipe and i filmed it and put it on tiktok and i i feel like there's an easy market to slide into because i had more responses to my freaking keto recipe and i'm using quote fingers because it's literally a tortilla with cream cheese and the everything but the bagel seasoning and it's like it's not much to that recipe but yet people were like liking my video asking me questions and i'm like what the crap you know i've put a lot of time in the movie stuff but nonetheless um like when i get really like frustrated or upset um i just kind of flip on tiktok and man these like keto recipes will come on and i've, I've done several from there i made uh, my breakfast this morning was a reverse omelet so you start with cheese and you let the cheese start to like melt in the pan you gotta have a non-stick pan or you know make sure you use plenty of cooking spray and uh right when it starts to bubble you pour the eggs on it and then you put a lid on it to like cook the eggs through. You don't you scramble them ahead of time, and you you'll, you know you gotta look you gotta look. And then if you want any toppings or anything, you can throw those on there, fold it over. And because the cheese is your base layer, it folds really really easy. So it's like super reverse omelet, but the cheese is also crisp and crunchy on that side. Oh, but then it's crunchy. still gooey on the side with the eggs. Yeah, it's real real good. Um, and that was from I think Keto Ma'am, who is one of my favorite keto TikTokers. Um, she's uh she's quite good. And uh, shout out to her. Um, she gives good recipes and good suggestions for like keto snacks, but yeah, that's, uh, that's how I've been saying bloody awesome, you know, helps me with like health. And again, when I'm sad, some of these pet videos are super funny. Um, and my wife loves pet videos. So it's fun for me to like find stuff for her to watch. I haven't got on the TikTok craze yet. Oh, I don't blame you. Um, I avoided it for a long time, <laughs> but it's not bad. Especially if you can get on it enough to get out of the, uh, the dancing, cause it, it is repetitive. Um, and I will say the same about the recipes, though. I do see a lot of the same keto recipes over and over again. And it's like, hey, yeah. you guys, um, one, slapping, like, meat and cheese together is not a recipe. That is just a snack. Like, I, I feel like a recipe, you got to at least do some kind of skill. Like, just like, all right, take a piece of ham and put a cheese stick in it and roll it up. It's like, that's not a recipe. Not a recipe. I don't care what. I looked at the vegetarian section of a cookbook earlier on. A true story. And one of them was a tomato salad. It was literally slices of tomato on a plate. And that was it. A red tomato and like a yellow tomato. Just sliced on a plate. I was like, that is not a tomato salad. That's tomato slices. And I was like, yes, you have, are, they, are they so devoid of answer, of ideas for a vegan cookbook, of which I've had so many decent vegetarian re- recipes? Oh, yeah. That is what they could come up with. It's like, here's a bit of lettuce. And on top of it is an onion. Right. There you go. Salad. So that's not, not doesn't make a recipe. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. doesn't make a recipe. It makes your breath smell. Right, right. Um, yeah, I made a very delicious keto uh, chicken and broccoli casserole last night. Um, uh, with oh, I'm sure you did. Cheese, cream cheese. I mean, it's super keto. Like, it's high fat, but it's, oh, man, it's very tasty. I had some for lunch today. Still have some leftover. Um, 
But uh, that's it, right? That's how we stayed bloody awesome. Let's uh, look to next week. Um, our next episode, we're going to be reviewing the movie Baby Teeth, uh, which just came out on VOD. Um, Big Tuna highly recommends for me specifically. I don't know. I, th- I think he liked it. I think he would recommend it, but he is very adamant that I'm going to love it. So let's see if that holds up to be true. He, d- he does have a good sense of what my uh, my boxes are. So I'm, I'm excited to watch it for that reason. No pressure. Right. No pressure because sometimes that, that expectation wrecks a movie. Yeah, I've heard a lot of yeah. that as well. Um, so that's what we've picked to review next week. So I, I can't wait. Um, for In the meantime, though, we'd love to hear from you. You can you can reach out to us on social media. Uh, we're on Instagram at Bloody Awesome Movie Pod and on Twitter. He's at BAMP underscore podcast. B-A-M-P underscore podcast. And uh, you can, of course, search for us on Facebook as well. And then individually, you can follow us. I'm at Burke Reviews on Instagram, Twitter, uh, Letterboxd.com, and also just BurkeReviews.com. That's my website. And Matt, what about you? Uh, very similar. Just change it for what I watch tonight, .co.uk. And there's Twitter, Instagram, what I watch tonight, and Letterboxd. Search for that, and you'll see my face beaming back at you. And if you like what we're doing here, we would love for you to share the podcast on your social media, rate and review us. It helps new p- listeners find us. And uh, that's you know how we can keep this thing growing is we need more people to listen and t- chime in and give us feedback. Um, we'd love to hear movies that you think we should be reviewing of things coming out because right now there's no theatrical mm-hmm. releases. Uh, we're getting close. Next month, there we'll have to decide if we're yes. willing to risk coronavirus to see a movie or not. But... Um, <laughs> <laughs> they are coming back so we'll maybe that'll start guiding these episodes but for now there's a bunch of stuff coming out and it's hard to kind of filter through what's worth our time so we love suggestions so hit us up um with that we encourage you to keep watching movies and stay bloody awesome blood 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 bloody blood 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 bloody